Good day, and welcome Hello. to another. Yep. See, I <laughs> almost thought I was going to get away with that. You're not going to ever get away with anything. Mm. Just, just accept that now, and then you can move forward appropriately. Mm. Anyway, so uh, welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. That's Catherine Rubino. We're here to talk again with some of the big stories from the legal universe over the last week, or at least mm -hmm. the big stories that we find funny slash disturbing enough to devote some time to. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. We're we're rapidly approaching the unofficial start of summer. Memorial mm -hmm. Day is coming up. Do you have any big holiday weekend plans? Not particularly. Um, you know, just, no barbecues, no nothing. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll do I'll do barbecuey things, I suppose. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's kind of excited, you know, because of the vaccine and rollout, etc. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is like the the start of our vaccine summer, which is only going to be fun. I'm yeah. convinced. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's true. I think uh, there have been historical comparisons to the Roaring Twenties, so I'm looking forward to how that's going to play out. I'm completely ready for all of this nonsense. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be taking my fair share of long weekends and enjoying every second of them. Yeah. Well, so I guess um, with all that said, let's hear from some sponsors, and then we can go into talking about the news of the week, which uh, I think a lot of it is going to have to do with summer, too. So, you know, you went to law school. I did. Yeah. And you went. Why'd you go? To be a lawyer. You went to be a lawyer, yeah, not that, an accountant. Yeah, well, that is typically what, what happens. Yeah. You went to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of NOTA, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnota.com slash legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. So... What's up with uh, summer? Everybody's happy about summer and vacations and all that, right? Well, not quite. Oh, really? Who isn't? Yeah. So we've we've heard some rumblings for a while that a couple of firms are changing their vacation policies, mm -hmm. going from four weeks of vacation, which I think is still probably the most typical amount of vacation that law firms give out for associates, to making it a flexible, no limit on your vacation days. Okay. That sounds tentatively good does it see that's and that's i think it's really a matter of perception from the tipsters that above the law has access to folks seem really annoyed about these changes mm. uh saying that it seems like it is an attempt to limit the amount of vacation time that folks take i think that one of the memos that um sherman and sterling sent around said that they were encouraging folks to take at least one one week vacation throughout the course of the year. And tipsters seem like, well, of course, we normally take a lot more than that <laughs> because, you know, we had four weeks of vacation. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it reminds me of um, there's a viral tweet going around, not about the legal industry, but I annoyed my boss today. How? By taking the vacation time that my boss gave me. <laughs> uh, I mean, as we've heard about these limitless vacation policies right. before, and there is obviously a a bit of a societal pressure that uh, people feel that limitless really doesn't mean limitless, and they think that it's more of a signal that you know, they're not going to use it. On the other hand, with four weeks, uh, it was rare that people used it all. Just the vagaries of how to be a lawyer means you're probably not going to get to use all four weeks as much as you'd like. You know, and some people, thinking they're getting ahead, choose to use nothing. So a firm saying, please use at least one is a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
firms should be clear that folks need vacations. Associates need vacations. Council need vacations. Everyone needs a vacation at times. And people should be encouraged to take those. But at the same time, firms are increasingly making all of their bonuses and these special bonuses linked to the number of hours you can bill, right? And if you're taking four weeks of eight, if you're taking a month off throughout the course of a year, your chances of hitting 2,100 hours are less, Yeah. right? Like you're less likely to hit that that target. Some bonuses are being targeted, you know, where only you're only getting the top bonuses if you hit something like 24. This is obviously a s- bunches of different firms, but, you know, the industry as a whole is is moving towards targeted billing rates in order to get bonuses. And you don't feel like you can do that if you're not going to be considered in good standing because you haven't hit this billable hour requirement because you haven't billed 2,400 hours this year. Yeah. You know, particularly when things, again, different firms calculate this differently, but not everyone counts pro bono hours at a one-to-one ratio with with client billable time. Uh, Not everyone counts other sort of firm-directed hours, whether it be for diversity efforts. Some places do count it, some places don't. But, you know, all this means that if you're at a place that doesn't count all the hours that you spend on work towards your bonus hours, you're not going to be able to take four weeks of vacation, no matter whether you get four weeks or you get unlimited vacation. That's just the truth of it. Yeah. One of the better policies at a firm I worked at was they went towards a model of not letting you roll over your vacation, which uh, generally the, the first firm I worked for you know, did allow you to roll over a certain amount of the time if you didn't use it at least into the middle of the next year. I eventually worked at a place that took the policy of paying out for unused uh, mm-hmm. vacation, which on the one hand, it does set up yet another incentive for not using your vacation. On the other hand, though, it was a nice way of kind of compensating out the if you missed out on your vacation because of some amount of work, Trial you did or, get yeah. some some more. Yeah, uh, and that operated as a in conjunction with a bonus policy that was not contingent on hours. Mm-hmm. So you always got that bonus. And if you did do the extra thing where you worked an inordinate number of hours and missed your vacation, you got money for that as opposed to the bonus being key right. on that. And that feels better also because I feel like getting paid out for a vacation, unused vacation days also makes it seem like those are real vacation days, mm-hmm. right? Like you are meant to use those days. And if you don't, the firm is paying you for them, right? So yeah. it makes it seem like that's like uh, firms I've worked for had four week vacations. And I never, I don't even know if they let you roll them over or not because I never took them all. You know, because I took a week between Christmas and New Year's most of the time. And then it was just days here and there, depending, you know, on what was going on. But I never even thought about it or worried about it because I never hit, I was never close to doing it. And even when if I did take a random Friday off, the chances were I worked tons of hours Monday through Thursday in order to be able to kind of get everything accomplished so that no one would bother me on a Friday, right? So you're already billing like 50, 60 hours. Oh, in the course of four days, and who the hell cares at that point? Yeah. So there's the concern that this limitless vacation policy is tied to the move toward remote work, where instead of mm. instead of having set vacation days, everyone's just kind of like, uh, we don't know where you are or whatever, but just get things done. So the memo that we've seen a copy of does not specifically link it to uh, Mm. remote work, but just an effort to provide more flexibility in general. Although obviously that's become the buzzword that everyone cares about as we return to a post pandemic world. So 
unclear, I guess, but probably related to the fact that, you know, we are coming back to a hybrid world, I guess, of, you know, where some stuff is in person, but not, it doesn't have to be because we've kind of proven that we can do things remotely. But I do think that that, that kind of concern that people won't be able to take real vacations is is a problem. And I think that I mean, listen, at the heart of all of this is the billable hour, which is, frankly, an antiquated way to keep track of time and bill for lawyers' work. But that is the most dominant form of billing that we have in the legal industry. Yeah. So what's the most epic law firm vacation you ever heard of? Like, were, oh. were people out for months on end? I mean, it strikes me as though... Other than maternity leave, which is a whole separate right, which discussion, is not, not really vacation. Not vacation, not vacation. Uh, but other than that, I don't remember a time when anybody was gone for an extended period. You know, it um, just... I, I, no, I definitely think that, particularly in the earlier stages of my legal career, there were lots of folks getting married, and I think no mm. one took less than three weeks for that oh, whole wow. thing because it was like a week of preparation. You know, before and then a lot of people went immediately to a honeymoon or whatever. But it definitely kind of reinforced, well, that's an acceptable time to use a big chunk. I think that's actually proves the problem, right? Because when you get married, you know, which obviously has a lot of societal issues wrapped up with it, but that was seen, at least in the places where I worked, as a completely acceptable way to use your vacation time. And of course you should take, and you should because it's a major life event, take whatever time you feel is necessary. But that seemed to be the only time where it was okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, no, no one was taking like two weeks to go, I don't know, backpacking across Europe just because it was only if it was tied to this once in a, you know, theoretically once in a lifetime event that it was considered socially acceptable within kind of the the atmosphere of big law. I knew somebody went on safari once. That was about the most, that was the only time I could think of somebody taking multiple weeks Mm-hmm. in succession. But yeah, mo- more or less, I, I never saw somebody gone for more than a week, uh, which, you know, good or bad uh, is certainly yeah, I mean, the way in which I see most law firm vacations operating. I mean, I can very distinctly remember taking, I don't even think it was a full week. I think it was like two days from one week and one from the following yeah. week. And I went to Disney World and I remember taking a conference call from Tom Sawyer Island yeah. in Disney World. And I remember being on mute and you know, I, I don't know how familiar you are with Disney World, but there's a, um, the Disney World uh, Railroad goes around and oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the whistle goes off, you know, doo, doo, whatever. And I remember like talking as it was going off and someone's like, what's going on? And I was like, sorry, <laughs> I'm in the middle of Disney World. And, yeah. and, and the client was horrified that I was on vacation and taking a call. Well, that's but I was good. like, Bosses weren't, right? But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the client, yeah. client, I was like, oh, no, it's not a big deal. I'm just uh, – uh, for those who aren't familiar, Tom Sawyer's Island tends to be relatively – you can usually find a quiet corner there. Right, right, right Mostly right. to take calls. And, I mean, it wasn't like I was presenting something. It was mostly just listening. But Yeah, the irony of how people don't do a law firm vacations as, like, three or four weeks in a row is that it's – just as difficult to take a two-day vacation as it is to take a four-week one. Because the whole problem is those first couple days and of the handoff. Uh, once you've been gone for a few days, everything kind of works out. See, I, I'm not sure that that's true, because if you're just going for two days, the chances are is you're not handing stuff off, right? Mm, you're see, just, yeah, you're I just like, I'm checking my email enough that if something urgent happens, I can figure... That's what I did. That's why I was taking a call from Tom Sawyer Island, right? It was because... 
uh, no, there was nobody I was handing anything off to. I was just well, dealing right, but with that's, it. That's kind of the point is that things are going to come up because you haven't specifically trained somebody to cover you. And once you, once you do that, once you take that step of having actual coverage for things, there might be a day or two of overlap to make sure everything gets right. And then you actually are free for a while. Well, but that's what I'm saying. That, that's true of the difference between a one-week vacation and a four-week vacation, but not necessarily for taking two days off versus mm. a four-week vacation. Because two days off, there's nobody stepping in. I'm just dealing with it. Yes. Yeah. I think that's that's the point I'm making. Right. Yeah. But in four weeks, you have to have somebody trained. Right. Yes. That's very much the point that I'm making. Yeah. I, I don't think it is, right? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. God bless. Yeah. Yeah. So let's hear from the folks at Lexicon and uh, be right back to keep the convo going. Here's a message just for the attorneys out there. So you passed the bar, joined a firm, or even built your own. Now are you finding out that you're doing more administration than actual law practice? Lexicon can help. Lexicon is a legal services and technology provider with over a decade of experience streamlining administrative tasks like timekeeping, HR, billing, client intake, and more. So you can focus on maximizing billable hours and increasing client satisfaction. Call 855-4-LEXICON or visit lexiconservices.com go to learn more. All right, so summer is here, as we've discussed, and that yes. means summer associates, the annual tradition of law students, usually between their second and third year, working at law firms where hopefully they will get a job full-time. Law360 has put out a study of survey results, having talked to a lot of summer associates beginning this summer of 2021 year, and uh, some interesting findings. Oh, yeah? Like what? So um, I, I think that like the top line finding that I think a lot of people are interested in is what firms do people want to go to? And it seems, I actually thought the most interesting part of those results, they just asked associates, who are your top three firms and catalog them. And the most mentions were Latham and Kirkland, suggesting that there are a lot of people chasing money, which is great. Well, yeah, I mean, those are the two firms that logged over $4 billion in in gross revenue last year. So. Right. Skadden, There's only two of them, and those are the two. <laughs> Skadden finished third, which was kind of a, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, you know, old standby there. Uh, I was interested that four and five were Gibson and Cooley. Mm, uh, that is Some West Coast-based firms uh, suggesting that there might be some people who were very interested in that sort of a vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in particular with Cooley, it kind of underscored that even if you aren't the biggest mover on bonuses, being the first mover on bonuses uh, puts you on people's radar. Yeah, like, listen, I think everybody was, knows, yeah. all law students know who Cooley LLP is because of the work they did over the last several months being, you know. A market l- leader. Leaders within the market. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, well, I know. We've had this conversation. <laughs> but there were also some interesting COVID-related revelations. Mm-hmm. The The fear that everybody had, the number one fear going into the summer associate Historically, you would assume is that you aren't going to get an offer. Yes. Right? That usually would be yes. – uh, that finishes number two by a long way. Getting getting COVID, I guess, is number one now. No. Uh, oh, that, no? That you might not have good training or mentorship because oh. of remote work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people are way like, more interested. That seems like a very diligent thing to be concerned right, yeah. about. Like nerds. Like, like, you're exactly. really, like, guess what? Even if you're not being trained over the summer, no one actually expects you to retain that much actual information between your two 
3L summer and when you start after your 3L year, right? You're going to basically have to be retrained on everything. Who knows what systems will have changed, whatever. You may or may not even be in the same location in two and a half years, right? Well, the, the most important thing is that you're seen as a responsible, potentially responsible team member yeah. in the future. Yeah. I, I, like it, it was very interesting. I thought that the uh, it dovetails with another uh, answer, which is that the plurality of folks said they want to, if given the opportunity, they would want to work in the office under these conditions. Uh, yeah. It, it was very close. It was like, off the top of my head, I think it was like 48% wanted to be in the office. 45% said they'd rather not be. And then... Uh, a, so 50-50, basically. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, it was real close. Interesting. Um, it does seem to be tracking the same sort of people who were saying they really want to have good mentorship opportunities and be in there. And what I thought about was, as we've been reporting a lot on law firms transitioning to leverage their remote work infrastructure and to perhaps cut down on office space and so on, that these summers all want to get into the office where none of the full-time employees are going to be, <laughs> uh, which it's going to be a thing going forward as we try to reform the way in which we train, because it's, I think this is going to become a long-term development mm -hmm. of people working more and more of their days away from a desk and uh, how we then train new people from this remote world is going to be an issue. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is also a concern that is being echoed in leadership of firms, right? They say, yes, I completely understand that senior folks at the firm are very capable of doing their job no matter where they're located. The concern is the next generation, yeah. right? And especially at a, at a place like, and it's, I think, a distinctly big law problem as opposed to other industries, right? Because not every industry is based on that kind of burn and churn mentality, right? Like every year, big law has another giant class of newbies mm -hmm. because they are expecting that they're going to lose that amount of people throughout the course, at least that amount of people throughout the course of the year, plus there are laterals, right? So there's a constant, you know, churning of mm -hmm. associates at big law that they always have to be worried about training the yeah. next the next generation, particularly because law schools don't do a great job about teaching you how to be a lawyer, mm -hmm. teach you an okay job about how to pass the bar exam, but that's, you know, not the same. Yeah, and the, the people who perform a lot of the most important mentorship work mm -hmm. are going to be the sort of early mid-levels who are likely to be some of the primary folks working remotely when they get an opportunity to. So it, it's it's going to be a long-term process of transitioning how we train. Uh, and I think that's going to, this survey suggests that's going to come up quite a bit. One big takeaway from the, well, my big takeaway from it was they had a few excerpts of comments that people had about the whole survey. And one person said that what one firm did that impressed them a great deal was that they made you take a personality test, which oh. suggested that they really cared about cultural fit. I thought that sounded like a cult. Terrifying, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> hey, I mean, cultural fit is important. Yeah, I don't know that so you least, need a test for at it. At least it's, it's more... I don't know, uh, standardized than being like, oh, you, your dad went to my country club, so right. you're obviously the right cultural fit for this firm, which is not unheard of. Yeah. But, but I think that the other thing, which may be interesting, I know as we're kind of going back to the, back to work, back to the office, um, 
one thing is firms keep on saying is this flexibility question, right? Which obviously dovetails with our other earlier conversation about vacation time. But I do wonder as much as flexibility is important, whether there will become a time like, listen, you can spend as many days home a week as you need, but we need to know which days you will be here. Right. Right. So that they know that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, so-and-so is in the office and somebody else is in the office these days so that when junior associates have questions or need in-person kind of mentoring or, you know, direction, they have points of contact depending on the day of the week or time of day or whatever it is that there are folks available in the office that may be something that we see as this becomes more standardized as, you Yeah, know. I think this hoteling concept that yeah. a lot of firms are going to start adopting. And can you talk a little bit about what that is? Because oh, yeah, it's, it, it does, it's not intuitive, I don't think. Uh, um, well, I mean, it's that offices become a little bit more like hotels, as in you don't have a dedicated set of square footage that is yours. Mm-hmm. There is an associate office that is set up. Uh, it has monitors and all the things you might need. You pop in, you plug your laptop into it, and you're good to go in that office for that day. And then you leave, and then you're, you know, maybe the next time you come in, you're in a different office. Mobilizing the office space around the idea that people are coming and going, that's the hoteling concept. And, you know, we already talked about this a little bit with the Boyce-Schiller offices, which had adopted a model where there were fewer individualized spaces and more workrooms, conference rooms of all different sizes, Mm -hmm. meeting rooms of all different sizes, little areas to take private phone calls and so on, based around the idea that no one necessarily is hanging out just in one place within the office, and that a lot of times... Basically, to the extent you ever are coming into an office, it's for the purpose of collaboration. So why not build the office around the idea that, hey, the trial team for X case is in this conference room. Mm -hmm. And that's where you go if you have to do something. And if you need to take a break and take a phone call, you go into a booth that does that. Uh, If you need to do you know, work on a different matter. There's a room for that. If there's a teleconference you need to go to, there's a room for that. But the idea that office space be utilized like that And to the extent there are dedicated offices, they be rotational based on people being there on a certain day Mm -hmm. uh, and checking in and saying, hey, this is my day. Give me a place. And they send you to the third floor or whatever, and you go there. Uh, That's that concept. And I think it's, I mean, office space is expensive. It is, uh, (laughs) especially New York, right? Yeah. It could be an interesting future. Anyway, well, that's... uh, Look, I mean, that's a thing that we might take away from the pandemic and changing how law firms operate on that front. I mean, we had a pandemic as well as an economic downturn at the same time, you know? We did. Um, We did. Is there anything you want to say about that? Yeah, I was wondering, how have law firms weathered previous economic downturns that come out stronger on the other side? LexisNexis Interaction has released an in-depth global research report confronting the 2020 downturn. Lessons learned during previous economic crises. Download your free copy at interaction.com slash like a lawyer to see tips, strategies, plans, and statistics from leaders who have been through this before and how they've reached success again. Okay, so lawyers behaving badly. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, let's talk about that. Go. Yeah, I I recently had a story about an Alabama judge, uh, Randy Jinks. Okay. The complaint against him contains over 100 allegations of judicial misconduct. I mean— That seems like a lot to me. I mean, you got to go hard. Um, (laughs) There's no half measures here in the— yeah, uh, let's be clear. He denies um, most of the allegations. Most, not all. <laughs> I mean, 100. It, it is hard to say no to all 100. 
I don't know if I can keep track of all hundred things I've done. And he says that to the extent that they were, or through his lawyer, says that they were motivated by disgruntled employees or eavesdropping employees. But as yeah, some well, of the but allegations- it does matter how they became gruntled, you know. <laughs> Fair, fair. But uh, as some of the allegations are about temper tantrums, screaming exchanges that he's had with folks, it doesn't surprise me that things that he might have thought were private were heard widely. Yeah. Yeah, there was apparently something like a sandwich incident where (laughs) somebody had cleaned the refrigerator and some food that he'd had in the refrigerator was disposed of. And he started screaming, where's my sandwich, and yelling at folks about his missing sandwich. So that was that tamper tantrum. There's also allegations that he uh, mouthed the N-word. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Not- during during some testimony or something. Uh, then there was other allegations that he referred to uh, court employees as the B-word or as a whore. Really professional allegations here. Uh, yeah. He also, uh, there was also allegations that he made repeated fat phobic comments, commenting on folks who were were overweight to the extent that one of the employees felt that she had to schedule her lunch when he was out of the office so that he would never see her eat. Wow. Like just really potentially damaging stuff. And and it seems like this particular court employee was, was very psychologically damaged as a result of his repeated comments. He also his allegations that he made sexually inappropriate comments at work. His also his county issued phone was used to access websites that had scantily clad women on them. Um, there were also photos saved of him in a tight fitting bathing suit, according mm. to the complaint. This so, is why this is why we make them wear robes. <laughs> that is a reason, I suppose. And he apparently also shared a or allegedly shared a stripped tease video as mm. well with court employees. I, I mean, bring the whole office into it. I, guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are just the highlights, right? As I said, there were 100, over 100 allegations in the 78-page complaint. Although, you know, he denies the majority of those allegations. It is it is quite, quite the read. Wow. So that's a thing for everyone to look forward to. Maybe, <laughs> maybe someday we can rank them all. From one to one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or, or rank all of the judicial misconduct allegations across multiple judges that we've we've yeah. come across in the last uh, twelve years or so. So, with that, thanks for listening. You should be subscribed to the show. That way, you can give it. Well, that way you can get it on your uh, device as soon as it comes out. You should also, even if you didn't subscribe, review it. But you should subscribe first, then review it, especially give it some commentary because that goes further than just stars because it shows engagement. And that's what the tech overlords are looking for. You should be reading Above the Law. As always, follow us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, which is that numeral at the end. You should be listening to The Jabot, which is Catherine's other show. You can catch me on the legal tech journalists roundtable on Fridays, as well as a legal tech trending news clubhouse on Wednesdays. You should be listening to the other offerings of the Legal Talk Network. Thanks to Noda powered by m Bank, Lexicon, and LexisNexis Interaction for sponsoring. And with all of that said, sorry, I just, I, I knocked over my microphone, but I caught it. So hopefully Good job. You uh, are agile. Yeah. Hopefully it didn't make too much of a sound. With all that said, we're Peace. done. Yep. Bye.